so much for being here. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, chapter 1. I was here last week, and I want to go here again this week and complete the sermon maybe sometime down the road. Philippians chapter 1, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Let's read verse 9 and 10, and then we'll go to verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul talking about prayer. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. I'll come back then in just a minute, the Lord willing. In knowledge and in all judgment, discernment, that you may approve things that are ex- excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And then chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. We talked about standing fast last week. And in one spirit, I'll address that in just a moment, the Lord willing, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And all God's people said... Father, we love the Bible today. Thank you for the truth that's forever settled in heaven. Not one jot or one tittle ever pass away. It's forever settled because you gave it and you're perfect and you can't make a mistake and you can't lie. And we're glad for the old-time religion. We're glad for the old book that's been faithful to us these many years. Help us to be faithful to it, to be obedient to the Lord's commands. I pray, Lord, you'll meet with us now in a special way during these moments. Thank you for the blessings that we've seen today. Thank you for what we've heard already. Thank you for the wonderful grace of God that makes a difference in our lives. Thank you for this beautiful day. And Lord, as we anticipate the coming week, we pray for your will to be accomplished in every life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. May be seated. Before I get into the message tonight, let me remind you today, let me remind you about our missions revival. It's kicking off with prayer revival. Brother Benny Beckham will be with us this coming Sunday morning. Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday through Wednesday. He'll also be here Saturday night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to ask the fellas to do something if you can. You may not be able to come regularly on Saturday night, but if you can this Saturday, I'd like for us to meet with Brother Beckham before revival starts. I'd like for you to bring a burden on your heart. Maybe the biggest burden you've got on your heart tonight or today. And we share them individually with Brother Benny. Not that he's any special than anybody else. He's just a prayer warrior. It's always good to take things to the throne of grace. It's good to have somebody who touches heaven. And so we'll pray for Brother Benny while he comes. And I'd like for you to come and be with us, uh, the Lord willing, at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. And let God help us as we gather around the altar. I put in the notes in the bullet. There's nothing more beautiful, in my humble opinion, than seeing men on their knees before God. There's nothing more beautiful than see, seeing men sing. Than, than thank God for the ladies and thank God for all they can contribute, contribute rather. And better than men sometimes and far out and do what men do. But we need some men to step up the plate and be leaders to God, leaders for God. I need to be reminded. You need to be reminded. And as we kick off this prayer revival, we want to see God do an unusual work in our midst. It may be this could be the day that God answers a supernatural prayer or an impossibility in your life. If not, it could come down the road a few weeks, a few months, or a few years from now. But God wants us to pray. And so I hope you'll join us with us this coming Saturday, the Lord willing, right here in the auditorium, if at all possible. 
Now, let's go back to Philippians chapter 1. And I get my glasses back on so I can see my notes. It's terrible. Who Fred said it again this morning coming in the office? He said, old age is not for sissy. How many times have I heard that? It's probably originated with Fred. Probably got it straight from somebody that was old. And you got to have everything just right. My hearing aids got to be right. I got two of those. I got to have my glasses so I can see because I can't see to read without them. If I take them off, you look like a blur. So I'm caught in betwixt two. See, if I go, I want to see after I don't like to wear them when I'm preaching. I like to wear them when I'm reading. So these are just reading glasses. So when I put them on from a distance, you look terrible. You, you look bad either way, uh, especially some of you. But uh, I want to be able to be able to take the handicaps that they come to my life, and I hope I can adjust to each one as they come. That's not always easy to do, and sometimes you get a little frustrated just getting old. You can't do what you used to. When Judy says she's getting ready to take the dog out for a walk, she says she's going to take Fred out for a walk. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, we talked about standing together, together, together. I want you to circle that word in your mind today. I want to come back to it in just a moment, the word together. It is a great biblical word. It's used over and over again in the word of God, together. So keep it in your mind. The Bible says that we are to strive together, striving together, verse 27, for the faith of the gospel, how important that is to our lives. So we talked about that on last week. I don't want to uh, re-preach sermon that I preached last Sunday, but repetition is a key to learning. Churches must learn how to abound in love. Let's go back to verse 1, verse chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray, this is the heart of the Apostle Paul, that your love may abound. That your love may what? Abound means to go greater and greater, higher and higher, make a big bounce in life. Our love needs to abound. I ought to love people better today than I used to love them. I ought to love God far more than I used to when I first started. I'm not where I ought to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm grateful to some degree of growth that I've seen in my own life, and I'm sure you can feel the same way. I'm glad that we are admonished by the Apostle Paul to be a church that abounds in love. Abounds in love. Love is a great quality. Without love, it's impossible to please God. Faith, you can't please God. But love is so abounding, it's the first quality mentioned over and over again in the list of things that Christians ought to have. And he gets down and gives a whole chapter in chapter 13 of the book of 1 Corinthians talking about love and how it has to abound in our lives. And God teaches that over and over and over again. It embraces truth. And when love embraces truth and rejects error, it embraces the truth of God, and the truth will make you free. It rejects error. True love rejects error. It doesn't mean you just let every little thing go and you overlook everybody's sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about loving people regardless of where they're at and what they've done in their life. You know, all of us have made some real blue new failures along the way. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but everybody in this room somewhere along the way has made some terrible mistakes in their life. If I had my life to live over again, there'd be some things I'd change. Because I probably wasn't listening to God the way I should have been and wasn't sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I should have been. And I maybe made some decisions and mistakes that I made that I wouldn't make this time around. But you learn from your error, you learn from your mistakes. He says, I want your love to abound, embracing the truth, reject error, and move on and become productive for God. Without truth, our love has no influence. Without truth, our love has no influence. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I want the whole truth, nothing but the truth. It's what uh, the old detective show used to drag that. Give me the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. 
That's what they want. You go to court, used to be, when I've been sworn in to court, so help you God. They just about dropped that from many of the court sessions. They just they just say, so help me. But so help me God, I want to tell the truth. I don't want to lie to you today. The worst thing in all the world is to lie to you or you lie to somebody else and that comes home to reap in your own life down the road. The Bible tells us to abound in love, reject the truth, embrace, embrace the truth, and reject error. And there's got to be times we've got to reject errors that come to our life. And we're learning, we're works of progress. Uh, God has chosen to take us through this life. And all of us are in a work of progress right now, going to the next level, next season of our life. So we should stand together in character, I mentioned last week, and stand together consistently based on verse 127. That's walking with integrity. I have walked with integrity, is what David said three times in the book of Psalms. I have walked in mine integrity. I walk with truth. I may have failed, but I'll tell you the truth if I failed you. You ever apologize to somebody when you know that you need to apologize? That's not easy to do. Most of us sort of ruffle up apologizing. That's tough, tough on me. I'm always right. At least I think I am until I'm being confronted sometime and I realize I made a mistake. And that happens in husband-wife relationship. My wife and I. My wife and I have been married 50, oh, 50, 1969. How many years is that? 54 years uh, in June. 54 years. We have never had, uh, be sure I phrase this correctly. <laughs> we have never had a knockdown drag out fight. She always comes down on her knees and looks on the bed. Get out from under that bed. I'm coming to get you. Uh, we've had our share of disagreement. We have disagreed on some things, and that's what makes marriage wonderful. My wife has usually proven to be right when she is wrong, and I don't like that. I like to be right all the time. But when I am wrong, I've had to say this, and I, I, sometimes I put in, in pen and write. I do better writing sometimes than I do saying it face to face, but I've done both. I just want to write you a note and tell you I love you. I'm so sorry that I let you down. I'm so sorry I let God down. Would you please forgive me for my attitude? Now, if you have never had a stinking attitude, you're perfect. Just pray for us who've had a stinking attitude from time to time. I've failed many times in my life. I realize all of us failures are failures in life. But we build on those failures and reach the next chapter. If you don't learn from your errors, see, he wants you to reject your errors. Don't continue to do the same thing bad over and over again. That's a sign of insanity, doing the same thing the same way. Every time when you know better, you want to move to a better vein, a better lane, and say, by the grace of God, I want my life to count as I serve the Lord together, not only with the right stand for truth, but with the right spirit, which is the right attitude, to have the right attitude as I stand for God. The local church is so important in the Christian life. He talks about the gospel, the pure gospel. Going back to chapter 1 again, verse 9 and 10. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in, judge, in all judgment or discernment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now, when I, was in, when I was in elementary school many years ago, they had a grading system that I had, or they had, somebody had, how they grade their report cards. I've got them in file. I got all my report cards from the time I went to school. I've got all the group pictures that we took and somewhere in the file. But they had a different grading system than we have now. I think we got grading here. We've got A, B, C, D, F. Is that right, Miss Lewis? And nobody makes Fs. Everybody gets A, B, C. Oh, and some do make Fs. If I was in your class, I'd probably get F. F stands for fine. Don't stand for fine, no. 
But when we got our report cards, we had back in back in the old days in West Virginia. Now you may not know Miss Lewis is from West Virginia too. Now she's back in the old days too. Now whether they had her when her where she lived or not, they did where I did. We had E's, we had S's, we had U's, we had I's on the great card. Anybody have those when you were in school? All right. How many did not have them? How many have you, how many of you got a great card when you were in school? All right. The E stands for excellent. Wow. My card, if you look at it, you'll see a card. There are probably a few excellents on there from time to time. I got excellent PE, and I probably got an excellent, if I took home ec, I'd get an excellent there if I took home ec. I didn't take home ec, but I could, I guess. But I got a few E's along the way, and it's always good to have it. And I got a few S's, which means satisfactory. I got a few I's, which means incomplete. Anyhow, the grading system's there for a reason, to help us to learn how to progress. And I want to be excellent because he's excellent. Because he's the excellent one. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There's nothing imperfect about him. He wants us to be like him. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that I can be like Jesus Christ. That would be the goal of my life. You are to live every day to be more like Jesus. And boy, when you don't do that, it makes you feel miserable when you let him down and you fail, Lord, it's me again. Sort of like when the sun's coming up in the morning. I'm so sorry for how things went yesterday. I'm sorry, Lord, let you down. And I heard this prayer this week, and I think it's a good prayer. Lord, I've already asked you for your forgiveness, but I just want to let you know again, I'm really sorry for what I did. Well, you ever prayed that kind of prayer? You don't have to ask God over and over again. But in all humility, sometimes you come down and realize, Lord, I, I'm not trying to remind you. You already know, but I sure blew it yesterday. I sure blew it. Now, if you've never blown it before, you know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever blown it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And somewhere along the way, there's got to come that realization that God wants us to stand together, not only in standing in truth and rejecting error, but He wants us to stand together in the right spirit and the right attitude. We want to have the right attitude. Unconditional love and unlimited forgiveness. That's Jesus Christ. Unconditional love. I'll love you if is a condition. I'll love you. Love should never stop. The Bible says love your enemies. If I were God, I'd leave that out of the Bible. He said, love your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you and say all men are evil against you falsely for my sake and rejoice and be glad. Be glad in what the verse says. My mind just went blank. Rejoice and be glad in it, I guess. I think it is. But there's a time in your life when you've got to pray for folks you don't like. You ever pray for anybody you don't like? How many think of somebody crosses your mind right now that you don't like? Boy, I've got 27 of them. Do you know what they told us years ago in your prayer, your prayer journal? Somewhere along the way when you're praying for others, put them at the top of the list. Because he said so, God said so. You say, well, I don't like that. You take it up with God. God said, pray for those that despitefully use you and say all men are evil against you falsely. And love them. Love your enemies. Boy, that's a tough one. I'm not sure how far you can go with that one. I can go with that one. I know you can't love everybody. The right. Some folks don't receive your love. And some folks are not recipients of it. And some folks, we've got to realize that no matter what you do, that you can't, they won't love you back. But you can love them. Jesus Christ is a certain an illustration on the cross of Calvary when he looked down at that crowd and saw people that mocked him, laughed at him, plucked his beard, beat him to a pulp. And he looked up and said, Father, forgive them, 
for they don't know what to do. I don't know if they asked him. There were probably one or two that did there at the cross. I believe there's some folks that got saved at the cross. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen, when he was dying, and the boulders were coming off his head and off his shoulders when he was dying at the wall by the persecution of the early church that was after him because he was in the church now and the persecution of the empire throwing rocks at him. Stephen, his face would glow. He's dying. I mentioned last week, I think it was. He's going home to heaven. Jesus stood up to receive her servant, and Stephen said, Father, forgive them. You say, preacher, anybody can do that. It takes grace to do that. Amen. It takes unusual grace to do that. It takes the grace of God to work in our lives over and over again, trying to be the very best example we can. So the spirit of unity, the Bible talks about the attitude of having unification. I want us to be on the same page the best we can. We don't always think the same way. We don't always do everything the same way. Some folks can do some things other folks can't do. But we ought to be unified in what we do on the same page, same team, going the same direction. They say TAMs means together everyone achieves more. And that's definitely true. But the source of our unity comes from one place. In the Roman Empire, they had a well. It was down at the very heart of the city. And when they come down, everybody drank from the same well. It became like a sort of like a collecting place for people to visit people and have friends and relationships at the well. They met at the well. One well, Roman Empire, towns, common fellowship took place within that town well. Where the town was, there was a well. And that well, they gather together, they get their water from the same source. Now keep that in mind. They got their water from the same source. They stood together around the well and fellowshiped and taught those are the Roman citizen. It was a privilege to be a Roman citizen of which Paul was. He was a Roman citizen. Not only was he a Christian, he was a Roman citizen and persecuted by the Roman Empire. That's the reason why he was able to go all the way to the highest place to have his case heard because he was a Roman citizen. They almost got in trouble because they were mistreating a citizen. And Paul was a great intellectual man as well as a man that was born in a certain tribe and he was born a Roman citizen and he had every right for every right that a privilege they could have. If anybody could go down that well and drink, it would be Paul. Yet he's writing as a prisoner. And he said, there's one well. The Roman soldiers, the Roman cities had a well that was common fellowship for all folks. And all would drink from the same well. All would drink from the same well. All would drink from the same well. All would drink together from the same well. All would drink from the same well. Well, preacher, what's the emphasis? That well is the Holy Spirit of God. We have one God, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, the triune Godhead. And I'm glad the Holy Spirit of God is compared to in the Bible as water. Turn to John chapter 7. Let's read it together. John chapter 7, St. John, and read a few verses. John chapter 7. Verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Our theme for this year is come and go. You'll find that over and over again in the Bible. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Not just come, but drink. But this spake he, he that believeth on me, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, 
because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost came in power on the day of Pentecost when Jesus went back to heaven. The gift of the Holy Ghost, he said, is power that comes to our individual lives. And thank God for that. But that is like a fountain, the source of all of our victories, the source of all of our successes in life as a Christian comes from the well that we drink from. That's the well of eternal life. Remember the woman at the well? When she came to the well in the middle of the day to, to drink, get some water for her family, some think she may be a prostitute. I don't know if she was or not. She didn't come with the other women. Whatever reason she came, she came. And Jesus was sitting on the well of Zachar at Jacob's well. He was sitting there. He knew she was coming by that way. He must needs to go by. He knew somebody was coming by that way. And there she came. And they began to talk about the water. And uh, he was talking about the, she was talking about the physical well. And he was talking about the spiritual well. And he says, this water, you, you will thirst again if you drink this water physically. But if you drink of the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. And then he got into religious conversation about life and about troubles and trials and heartaches. She said, give me this water that I never thirst again. Can you imagine, can you imagine this lonely woman by the well? Give me this water. She said, the well is deep and said, what, you don't have to draw it? She, he, he gave the illustration about how he could help her have this water, the, the water of eternal life. And in, in essence, what's happened to her was this. She asked for the water from the well, and she took the well home with her. That's what she did. I mean, she took the well of life home with her. Then she ran to the city and said, come see a man. There's that word, come again. Come see a man that has shown me all things that I have done. Come, join me. Come and hear him. Come and see him. Come see a man. Jesus Christ did something for her that nobody else could do. He satisfied the hunger. He satisfied the thirst. He satisfied the victory that was been defeated in her life because she drank, she, she drank from the well of life, the spiritual truth of being born again by the grace of God. And thank God for the source. Wonderful it is that she could be able to drink from the well. Even so, Christians have all been made to drink from the same Holy Spirit. I'm drinking from the fountain. You drinking from the fountain? Amen. We're drinking from the same fountain. Don't you think there ought to be unity when we're drinking from the same fountain? Don't you think we ought to get along for drinking from the same fountain? You drink the water, I drink the water. Now, I'm not talking about physical, even though that's an illustration. The illustration is the spiritual water that God gives, and He calls Him the Holy Spirit. That's what John 7 said. I speak of the Holy Spirit. I speak of He who is to come. And when I am going away, He shall come again. He shall come. I'll go back to heaven. They didn't understand that. I'll sit down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. They didn't understand that. But I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll send one another just like me. And that's when the Holy Ghost of God came to indwell in every believer in Acts chapter 2. What a wonderful thought that is. We've all been made to drink from the same fountain. I said last week we're all brothers in Christ if we're saved. We're sisters in Christ. We don't always see the same way. We have different temperaments. How many of you have a temper? Would you raise your hand, please? Raise it real high. Should wave my Sorry, good for nothing, Christian. Got tempers. How many of you ever said something you wished to God you never said? The same hands go up. Mine go up. I used to have a more severe temper than I've got now. It's not as bad as it used to be. I, don't, I thank God for temper. Temper can be good if it's controlled. Self-control is controlling the temper. And he said, be angry and sin not. It's all right to get angry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's all right to get angry, but don't sin when you get angry. 
learn how to have the Holy Spirit and I get it out in a minute. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, you feel the Holy Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Oh, that's a good one. Temperance, self-control. Being able, you, you say, I can't do that. That's right. That's the reason why He gave you water to drink from. It's called the well of eternal life. That's the reason why He talks about the Holy Spirit is able to help you to do that. I can be a better man because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Not because of what I do, but what He does is I yield myself to Him. Now, all of us have done some things we wish to God we'd never done before. Done, never done. Wish we could take it back. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful what you do, what you see, how you act. See, if we're mindful that God's watching us, it keeps us from doing some things we ought not to do. You see, if somebody's watching you all the time, you wouldn't do some things you're doing. You wouldn't say some things you're saying if you saw somebody was witnessing what you're doing. Well, I may not see it, and he may not see you, and he may not see me. You may not, but he does. He's going to see everything we do, every place we go. Just to help you and help me, there ain't no place he is not. Is that good English? There's no place he is not. He is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. So he's going to be at your house. My house number is 490 Mayberry Lane, Mooresville, North Carolina. I'll give you the address and probably get robbed tonight because he gave it out publicly. But he knows my name. He knows my address. He knows the hair on my head and the ones that used to be there. He knows the wrinkles in my face, the wrinkles in my hand. He knows every step I take and every step I don't take. He knows every thought I think. He knows all about me. He is the Lord God Almighty. He loves me so deep. He wants me to drink from the well of life. And He still loves me. 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 And then I come and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Now we ought to make progress in our life and grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The force of that spirit is like an orchestra. When he talks about together and unity. Now I'm not a musician by no means. Mrs. Lewis, if I had you to come up here, Paul, maybe we'll do it. Can you find Middle C? You, come on up here, Paul, since you're you can just be at Middle C. This is a whole day debut for Brother Paul. He's gonna lead the he's gonna hit see if he can hit Middle C. We're going to all set our pitch to middle C. It's in the middle. What? It's in the middle. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. Now, would you hit it real loud? Do it again. All right, everybody, everybody get gauges. Go ahead. Sandy. Miss Lewis. Frank, get on the right tune. I'm going to walk back there because you're not on tune for you. Can you go up the scale? Don't worry, me for yourself. I'll do it. We're setting the orchestra today. All the other instruments are going to be set to middle C. And middle C is a big C. It stands for Christ Almighty. Amen. It stands for the great God of heaven. You go, thank you, Paul. You'll be doing a rendition tonight playing a special force. But if we had, an, it would be great to have an orchestra. Wouldn't it be great to have an orchestra? We have all the violins up here, Caleb. That'd be great to have the violins in the orchestra. But you're going to tune to the one that's supposed to be tuned to. Okay, it's not, you're not here flying out of left field, doing your own thing. Caleb's saying, boom. 
boom, everybody get on, and then Barney comes around and check out who's not on, who's not on watching. The percussion, the winds, the strings, every guitar. Be tuned to the right spirit, the right power, the right tune. And don't do your own thing out here flying saying, I'll do it my way. No, you do it how God leads by the Holy Ghost of God. And sometimes you've got to have instruction. I got as a pastor, one of the roles is trying to oversee the church. And that's not always easy. Doesn't mean I know everything, but I've got to keep an eye on things and try to make some decisions from time to time. Sometimes they're called executive decisions. I may make one, and not always the right one. Maybe I'll make some bad ones sometime. But it's still, I'll give you an illustration. I won't tell you who it is. Uh, this preacher friend of mine, he was talking to a secretary on the phone. And uh, she um, hung up, and he, he thought she hung up. He was talking to his wife, and he said, I wish she'd quit that out. She said, Read this, Shannon. This is what happened. Said, would you? I got. She just messing me up all day long, and I wish she'd get the act together. And then he realized the phone was still on. Well, you think about his heart drop. What would you say behind somebody's back? You wouldn't say their face, especially when you're angry. And uh, so he went home. He got a phone call from her husband. And her husband comes and Pastor, let me talk to you. And he says, I know why you're here. He says, you do? He said, yeah. He says, preacher, everything's all right. My wife does talk too much. Um, and you may, you may have speak spoken out of school, but you're my pastor, and I love you. Thank you for being willing to meet with me and to apologize. It all worked out. But boy, that's some tough ones. And sometimes you say things you wish you had never said before, or maybe do some things you never wish you'd have done. You better thank God for grace. Because God reaches farther down than you can reach up. I'm glad for the long arm of God that reaches down where I'm at. No matter where I'm at. He lifted me. He lifted me. And oh, how wonderful it is to know He can take me from my miry clay and plant me back on the solid rock. I used Tommy's illustration many years past when he was out of the will of God. I'm glad, my wife said, I'm glad God loved Tommy Marlowe. 30 years he walked away from God. 30 years. But the guy's walked with God the best he can in these last number of years. No, most of you know, it took a tragedy to get him back around with God. God used the chastening hand to get his attention. But I'm glad he did, aren't you? Tommy is a good guy. Regardless of what you think about him, he's a good guy. Tommy's a faithful guy. Loves the Lord. Not perfect. None of us are. If you weren't a perfect preacher, go join another church. And when you get over there, it won't be a perfect church because you joined it. Sometimes folks looking for that perfect church. It's going to be just a hunky-dory. People are people everywhere you go. Some better, some worse. But be sure it's the will of God. And don't, don't take all your baggage with you. God help us today. To unify together, and I'm getting somewhere, and I, I may preach five minutes longer than I normally do. But this force like an orchestra, tuned to the, to the piano, the harmony that, that comes from the matching the hearts together, being on the same pitch. That's not always easy to do. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Be of one mind. He said the same mind. He says, even if I'm there or not there, I want you to be of the same mind. Chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. He said, sometimes I'll be there, but I want to know of your affairs. I want to know what's going on. I want to be sure you're on the same page. And boy, sometimes we get off sync. We get off the path. We get cattywampus 
I don't know if that's a word or not, but we get out of sorts. I've been there. You've been there. You know what revival is all about? It's getting your heart right with God. Thank you, ladies, for being at the altar last week. They know who I'm talking about. Hugging each other. Thank you for reconciliation. Unified, the Bible says. Our hearts tuned to the Holy Spirit. We are in fellowship with the Spirit. We're in fellowship with each other. As best as lies in us to do so. If I'm in fellowship with God, this way vertically, and in my notes I've got a cross, this has got to be right before this is going to be right. First four commandments and the Ten Commandments are all directed toward God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, so forth. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. They're all directed to God in first four of the ten, the Decalogue Moses was received on the mountain. And then the next, next six are towards your fellow man. Adultery, stealing, robbery, coveting, etc. About something else. And it all comes down to this relationship. You cannot be right with your fellow man if you're not right with God. It won't work. You may try, it won't work. But the more you get right with God, the more you say, it's me, O Lord. Stand in need of prayer. Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord. We're getting ready for revival. We're getting ready for God to do something in our lives if we allow Him to. This could be the, deep, the greatest time in our life as a church history. I say that humbly. It could be the greatest day on the calendar of God coming up. I don't want to miss it. I hope I'm physically able to be at every service. I hope you can make every service. I hope you're unified together and say, what good is that? Turn to Isaiah chapter 41. I thought about that this morning and went back and marked it just to be sure. And I'll close with this. I'll give the rest of the sermon tonight, the Lord willing. Chapter 41 of the book of Isaiah. Look about verse... Oh... verse 4 God speaking I am he the isle saw it the island saw it in fear the ends of the earth were afraid drew near and came they helped everyone his neighbor and everyone said to his brother be of good courage I'll finish this just a minute would you do that for me today just say be of good courage when I say be of good courage I had two notes this morning on the phone one of them said, Preacher, be of good courage. Well, down to the bottom of the text, I said, Amen, Amen. Just be of good courage. 365 times they say, Fear not's in the Bible. Fear not is I, or at least it's something like that. And whether it's 365 times or 366 times or a thousand times, the Lord stands on the bow of his ship and the stormy waves are blistering across the, uh, the side of the boat about to sink it and he stands on the top and says, Peace, be still. And like a little puppy with his tail tucked between his legs, the waves head to the shore and all quiet and peaceful and tranquil. Be not afraid. They thought it was a ghost. Be not afraid. It is I, it is I. Oh, when the Lord steps up on the, on the very precipice of our life and says, I love you, it is, don't be worried. Peter, 
said, Lord, can I come to you? Biddest thou me to come unto thee. And Jesus said, come on, Peter. You want a fellowship? A little more than the other guys have got? Come on out in the water. And Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. And all God's people said, don't be too critical, Peter. He walked on the water. Have you? Have I? And he walked on the water. And when he got out there walking on the water with Jesus, wonder what that's going to be like. Well, but then the storm was still raging. He got a little fear and faith. The fear replaced his faith. And then he began to sink. He his eyes off of Jesus Christ. When I fail, fall in my life, and when I make mistakes, when I sometimes hurt the cause of Christ, it's when I take my eyes off of him. I, I need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. I need to keep my eyes on Jesus Christ. Look unto me, all you the labor and heavy laden. Come, come. Take your cross. Take your burdens to me. Come. Bring them here. I want to help you in life. But so many times we try to figure them out and fight them ourselves and make a mess out of it. Isaiah 41. Be of good courage, verse 7. So the carpenter encouraged the coastsmith. What in the world does that mean? And he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering, and he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art thy servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Such so big good courage. The carpenter, your position, you encourage the goldsmith. You encourage the guy next to you that's having a tough time. The goldsmith, you, you, you encourage somebody. Who's your neighbor? Jesus gave a parable about that. Who's my neighbor? And oh, how we need to realize everybody's important in God's economy. Trying to be an encouragement to them. Nobody knows how many times folks have encouraged me. And you may have a list of folks who have encouraged you over the years. Maybe nobody knows except you and God. How many times they said the right thing at the right time. But oh, if we could just learn how to be encouragement. And all the positions will come together to get the job done to make a beautiful edifice for the glory of God. And the carpenter and the goldsmith and the and, and all the others that are involved. Be a good courage. Who's your neighbor? Do what you're supposed to do and love him and see what happens. So you have the source and you have the force of being tuned to the orchestra and you have the course and I'm through. As you yield our hearts to the Holy Spirit, we will share the common goal of fulfilling the purpose Christ gave the church. And what is that? What is the purpose of you being here today? Fellowship with God and fellowship with others. We're together. For what purpose? That he says, I want you to come so you can go. I want you to walk out the doors today with the determination that you're going out into a mission field. I had the joy yesterday being with Nancy at the phone place and we were just talking about should I update should have changed phones, etc. The guy was a nice guy. He just wasn't the most joyful guy in the world. He looked like he had a bad day to some degree. He was, he was nice. He was doing his job politely. And we talked for a while. And Nancy went to take a call and she walked away. And I said, what's the name? He told me his name. I said, do you live here? He said, yeah, I'll come to take care of my mama. 
He says, I've lived all over the world. I said, how long have you been working here? He said, not very long. He said, I just got bored. I just wanted a job. Seemed to be fairly well off. And I said, well, that's wonderful. Could I share something with you while we're sitting and waiting on my wife? He said, oh, we'll go right ahead. I pulled out this track that I have so many times. God loves you. I gave his name. God loves you. And inside of here, it tells you how to go to heaven. Four steps on how to go to heaven. What's your relationship with God? He said, I'm Catholic. I said, I'm Baptist, but I don't get me to heaven. See, don't always condemn the religion. Yeah, you're sorry, Catholics, you're sorry, Joe Witness, or Lutherans, or whatever else it is. But just say, I'm a Baptist, but I don't get to heaven being Baptist. I get to heaven being saved the grace of God. Would you read it? Would you read it? That little frown that he had began to turn to a smile. And he just began to chatter about just anything. We talked for quite a while. And my wife said, what did you say to him? It wasn't what I said to him. Some way, I think just the fact that God loves him made an impact on his life. You say, that's no big deal. Listen to me. Listen to me. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Learn how to share the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And take this message to the world. Our missions conference coming up. We're preambling everything with prayer this year. If nobody comes except me and the preacher, I'll be here. But man, I'd like to have you. I'd like for us to get on the same page. And I'm going to close with this illustration because it includes a couple people. Danny's still here, Danny. Danny got right with God not long ago. He has been an encouragement to me since he got right with God. But when I look out the window on Saturday, you know who I see? I see Margaret. I see Chris. I see Danny. And what are they doing out there? Sparking, I guess. I don't know what he's doing. He's out there picking up trash. They walk all the... And I about ran over down on 1st Street or Martin Luther King. What about They were down on 1st Street. What, what do, I, I never told you all to do that. But you're working together to get, beautify the property. I want to thank you publicly for that. Being on the same page. Aren't you glad Danny got right with God? It's one thing to see Margaret and Chris out there. But to see Danny, even when he was running out right with the Lord, always willing to do whatever he could. But now, with all the pain he has, thank God. Danny, Lord, thank you, buddy. Danny, Lord's the type of guy who walks in, you never see him, walks out, never know he's there, silent. But he's been in that sound booth for many, many years. He always comes and checks the battery, him and some other guys do, to be sure I've got enough power to get through the sermon. I said, Danny, I've got plenty of bars. He said, let me just change them, just in case. I'm glad for Danny. Thought about him today. And sometime in the evenings, he's over here cutting grass when the sun's going down. Wayne Rice is down on the south side, and Danny's on the north side. No, nobody's told them how to do all that. They just said, we'll take care of it. We'll do the best we can. They may not be able to do it always, forever, but thank God for their labor of love. Amen. And boy, that list goes on and on. I start thinking about people around the church, and I'm not trying to get into a popularity contest because it's not that. I'm telling you, a lot of folks in our church do things behind the scenes that nobody else sees. But God does. And if you give a cup of water in my name, may you not lose your reward, he said. Amen. Right. Just be willing to be a servant for the Lord Jesus. Get on board. The greatest thing in the world is being on board for Jesus Christ, being a servant for Him, and putting yourself together, say, by the grace of God, I'll do what I can. I can't do everything, but I'm willing to do. We're always, Willie mentioned this several times in prayer meeting, we're always in need of workers for various organizations. Some folks can't do it. I mentioned last week, you can come and grunt. You can just come and grunt for some of the folks. 
or every once in a while just say, be of good courage, I'm praying for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Willie, you and Michelle, somebody needs to say, I'm praying for you. I say, working, are you? Oh, they're going on without your prayers probably. But they don't realize how more smoother it works because you did pray for them. There is a God who sees here, he sees here. How many times in these 52 years somebody prayed me through a battle? I'm talking about praying me through a battle. When my lowest day may have come at least three times and one was losing the little girl in adoption. Probably the second one was probably the fire we had when it burned our church. We had no place to go overnight. The church would burn. And I sat at my desk with the tears streaming down my face. said, Lord, I don't know what to do next. And you sure got to help me. Forget he's been faithful. God has been faithful. The years have come and gone. The battles have been sweet and bitter. Sometimes up, sometimes down. But I'm going to go on record today. God has never, never, never let me down. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't figure it out. But mine's not to figure everything out. Mine's to trust God to see what He wants to do. And God wants to take our church to the next level. But I'm just appealing to everybody, including the women, but especially our men, that can come Saturday. If you can't come Saturday, come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday and Tuesday. And let's get a, tell Brother Benny, praying for you, encourage him in the battle. Brand new Bible is printed in accessory Bible. All the prayers in the Bible. Several folks have already got it. I'm, I'm going to use it this coming year all the way through the Bible, reading all the prayers and the commentary that's beneath that. They, they wrote times, years and years of preparation in that Bible he's got. So I want us to pray for revival, pray for a missions conference, pray for my nephew Scott who will close it out. I just want us all to be on the same page. Well, that's fair enough? I know I stumbled through the message trying to deliver my heart today. I want you to look beyond the man, see the master. I want you to look beyond this servant and see the Savior. I want you to be willing to say, you count on me. And by the way, boy, I could go on and on about workers in the church. I'd probably open up a can. I could probably just start calling names. If they didn't get it done, it wouldn't have got done probably. But somebody did it. Somebody stepped up the plate. When you see the piece of trash on the floor, it may be the custodian's job to pick it up. But won't you help the custodian just pick it up? You say, well, that's, that's not my job. Sometimes just being an encouragement to somebody else helps them do a better job. I have four E's I'll give you tonight on why we ought to be together. Four reasons why we ought to be together. Now and in the days of the future, that God's grace will be sufficient. Let's stand together. Thank you for your patience today. Father, may you take the frailty of the human words and take the Spirit of God's Word and drive it deep in our hearts. Lord, thank you for helping me get through the sermon with my stumbling, sometimes the stuttering. Lord, I pray you'll take the Word of God and drive it deep in the hearts of our people. Lord, I have a burden today. I've got my personal burdens. They've got personal burdens. we all got burdens. We've got issues we've been praying about for a long time. Lord, some of those haven't come to pass yet. And we pray, Lord, how long, how long will it be? I pray, Lord, we'll be together in our love for each other and love for God. Bless our people today, some of the greatest people in all the world. May you bless their lives and bless their families. Those who need to come, may they come today to make whatever decision they need to make and settle some things with God. Getting right with God, getting saved, getting rededicated, just surrendering their lives to do God's will.
May that happen today. In Jesus' name.